Welcome everybody to Catfish Weekly presented by Whiskerware Apparel along with Chuck Davison and Chris Wallace. I'm Lyle Stokes and welcome to the show. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to go over tonight. Chris has got some stuff about electronics. Chuck has got a bunch of stuff he wants to talk about and I'm going to visit about some new regulations and things, good or bad, bow fishing for catfish and uh, I've got a story to go over. Uh, about a military gentleman that lost a bunch of equipment. So with that being said, Chuck, do you want to start her off? Uh, yeah, there was some, uh, I don't know if there's some regulations being passed or uh, have been passed on uh, some flathead regulations in Indiana where uh, they're, they're saying that it don't include the commercial fishermen. Might as well see if anybody uh, you know, knew anything about that and what they were talking about. I didn't get the. Uh, I don't know too much about what uh, kind of regulations they got passed or anything like that. Did, did, do you know anything about that, Chris? Uh, I didn't. I, I seen a post on it on Facebook where they were talking about. Um, it looking like a win for us, but I think from what you were saying, you know, over in Illinois, I, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to go into detail and look at it and in, in, in depth or anything, um, so I couldn't tell you exactly what's going on with it. But it, it sounded like what you were saying that it, it's, it might just be a, uh, you know, a, not, not as good of a win as what you'd think, you know, kind of a, a fake win, very slight win. Well, anything that, that we get done is, is a plus, but it, it has to apply to everybody. And the way I understand it, and what we was talking about before the show, uh, uh, you know, it does. It, it only impacts the rod and reel, the hook and line fishermen. It doesn't affect the commercial guys, and uh, that's typical for the state of Illinois. But I don't know if they. Uh, you know, I have my suspicions about what's going on over there, but. No way of proving it, actually, but you know they'll, they'll do about anything with those uh, commercial guys. Uh, they'll let them get away with about anything possible, and then that's just not right. If it's if you can't keep a fish uh, of of any breed or any size, uh, it, it ought to apply to everybody, not just the rod and reel guys. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna see if y'all knew any, anything on that because that you know that's. You know, really, you know, it, it, the the guys who want to, you know, go out and do it as a sport, and you know, they try so hard. They, you know, they keep the they keep the rivers up, and um, you know, you you look around, especially in Alabama. I had I hadn't looked real good up north, but man, I can drift through any of these rivers down here, and every time I get my drift run by an old trout line that's been sitting in the lake for. You know, God knows how long. So mossy, you can't keep a hold of it. Now, most of the time, ever rod in the boat to go down. By the time you get everything uh, unhung, uh, you know. So really, there, there's a lot of trash in the rivers and everything that you can't even see. And I don't even think that you know the if the conservation people really had an idea how much junk and how how dangerous it is on the bottom of the rivers. And I've actually got them hung in my boat motor. You know. 10 foot from the bank, you know, with, you know, a big long cord with, 
uh, you know, big workout weights on the end of it where people just rig stuff up and just line hooks out. You're not even supposed to run them from the bank from what I've heard, but I mean, it's just a mess down here. Um, that's, that's all I got on that. Yeah, well, you... One of the things I don't I think is right, like you were saying, if if they've limited it to uh, rod and reel fishermen and, and not the commercial fishing, what people don't understand is that you're just making the easiest loophole in the world because a commercial fishing license is anywhere between like 15 and 50 bucks. So anybody that wants to go out and keep doing exactly what they put this law in place to stop, all they're doing is creating uh, an, an extra revenue source for their commercial fishing license. And I mean, so that's to me, that's what they've done. Instead of actually trying to fix a problem, they said, how can we get more money for commercial fishing? Chuck, we got a lot of wind noise, Chuck. Yeah, so I mean, like, if, if a commercial fishing license is $35 or something in that state, and a guy that's out there and he, you know, he can't, uh, take the amount of catfish, or, or I, I don't know exactly what they did in that law. Like I said, I haven't had a chance to read it, but if it's not um, set across the board for for any take, then all they all they did was say that person wants to go and keep doing what they're doing. They're just going to pay the thirty five dollars for their commercial fishing license. That's you know? correct. The, the sad part about Illinois uh, right now, Chris, is uh, not last year, but year before. Uh, they were struck with a financial burden that they couldn't overcome, and they went from 160-some uh, uh, agents statewide to less than 70, and they've continued to do that, and they put these commercial fishermen on the honor system where they fill out their paperwork on their take and what they get what they don't get, and they don't check them. Uh, these guys are making up their numbers and sending them in, and, and they're just getting away with whatever they want to, and, uh, you know, that is typical for Illinois. They just they just don't uh, play the game like everybody should play it, and uh, they let these guys get away with with raping these water systems and selling them to Bay Lakes and whatever. And uh, they need to get on board. They did make an effort. I, I will give them that. They made an effort to try to do something. It was only as I understand it was only on flatheads, and it was only on certain size, and it only pertained to the rod and reel fishermen. That's this. You know, it's, they might as well not have done nothing because them commercial guys are going to continue to take those fish out in any number they want to and, and write in what they're they're supposed to have in there, and nobody's going to check them when they know it's not being done. Yeah. Chuck, did you have anything else, or, or do you want me to go ahead and... Most of my stuff, you know, pertains, to, you know, with the electronics and stuff, and I was just going to, you know, in include it in with your stuff. And uh, so if, if Lyle's got anything he needs to talk about before you get started, because I know it's going to go on forever. I mean, there's a lot well, to talk about. Why don't I go ahead with what I got, and then we'll turn it over to Chris and let him run through what he, you guys have got on the electronics. How's that? Let's do it. All right. Um, Illinois has a organization called Bow Fishing Association of Illinois. Uh, these guys, I you know, I kind of I sent a message last year and told them what I thought about their their endeavors to try to get this stuff passed. In fact, it might have been year before last. And uh, evidently, the guy that's over top of this, he absolutely must have a cast iron memory. Uh, Ed DeBars, uh, he actually last week posted uh, the private message that I had sent him. 
uh, telling him my displeasure with what they was trying to get done. And, and that's fine. I really don't care if they post it. I don't care what they've done. Uh, I'll give him an honest opinion of what I believe, and he could take it for what it's worth. And now uh, he feels like a private message should be put out on for the public to read. And that's fine. I, I really don't care because it doesn't change how I feel about stuff. Um, they voted down this bow fishing for catfish in the state of Illinois. And these boys, you know, it's kind of like the guys in Missouri that uh, never said anything or done anything when they got ready to pass the regulations on Truman Lake, the Ozarks, and it went over by overwhelming numbers. And the next thing you know, uh, they're all whining and crying because they can't feed their family off the fish they catch out of the lakes. Well, boys, if you can't feed your family, it's not because you're, the fish ain't there. It's because you need to go out and get a job. You don't have anything to do with with uh, trot lining and limb lining and slot limits on catfish. That's just crazy talk. So uh, thank you, Illinois, for, for not passing that bowfish and stuff. Uh, that Illinois River, where they was going to try this, I have fished it numerous times. Those people are never going to convince me that when they shoot a bow at a fish in that muddy river that they can tell if it's a blue, a channel cat, or a flathead. There's, there's no way. That river is a mess, and uh, it's always muddy. It's full of Asian carp. If you want to bow fish something, shoot those Asian carp. There's millions of them any place on that river you want to go. There's no reason uh, to, to bow hunt catfish. Uh, the channel cat, they've got some great channel cat in there. There's blues in there. There's flatheads in there. When you turn loose that bow string and you can't tell what it is and you hit a flathead or you hit a blue and it's supposed to be a channel cat because that was the only thing the regulations is on for, what are you going to do? You're going to throw it back and let it die that way? You're going to take it home? Either way, the fish is just as dead. So uh, Illinois, heads up on that. Good job. Um, I have a story from uh, Sean Harris, uh, and some of you may or may not know Sean. I've, him and I have become kind of good friends over the, uh, over the Internet, and he had sent me a message that uh, a gentleman that serves in our military is going to be coming in in July for his tour overseas, and, and thank you very much for that. Uh, there's nothing we can do. Eric Coleman, you, we appreciate everything that you've done. Uh, He's coming in in July, and uh, when he when he got ready to make the trip back, he found out that someone had stolen all of his fishing equipment while he was out serving our country. Some scumbag went in there and took all his fishing stuff. I just cannot believe uh, that somebody would do that to a military guy. It's just unbelievable. But anyhow, Sean is going to take this gentleman out on a trip. <coughs> and try to get him on some fish. Now, that's outstanding in itself, but if anybody has anything that they can send to Sean to, to help this guy that took care of us in his time in the military, uh, you can contact Sean Harris and, and uh, let him know what you got and try to help this gentleman out. I mean, I cannot believe that anybody would stoop to the level to take a military man's fishing equipment and steal it from him while he's over there taking care of them sorry people. Uh, uh, it's mind-boggling to me. I just can't believe it. Uh, the gentleman's name is Derek Coleman. Uh, we're very proud of you, Derek, and thank you for everything you do. 
uh, we'll see what we can get done, and, and hopefully if anybody's got any hooks or sinkers or any equipment that they could spare, get a hold of Sean Harris or contact me, and I'll put you in contact with Sean if you can't get him. Uh, Sean is donating a trip for Derek and his brother when they come in, and, and that's an outstanding thing uh, in itself, and I know that they'll be on fish, and fish will be coming off the nest, and uh, they'll be able to load up on some great fish and have a really good time. But, uh, you know, if we can help this gentleman out any at all, just contact me or Sean, and, and we'll, we'll see if we can get something put together for this guy. He's done so much for us, it won't hurt anything to, to try to help him out a little bit. And that's the main story I have for the night. All right. All right, so with Humminbird, and that's you know, a lot of us know, you know, the Ford and Chevy thing, Humminbird Lawrence, you know, I'm not getting into any of that. I'm talking about Humminbird. They're my sponsor. Uh, any of the people that I've had as sponsors is, is products that I, I've used before. I had them as a sponsor normally and, and truly 100% believe they're quality products. Um, Humminbird. Uh, for, in the marketplace, if you watch what's going on with the different uh, companies coming out with graphs and uh, electronics and things, there's no one out there doing what Humminbird does on a consistent basis. They are constantly improving products, adding to their existing products, keeping things updated, and have 100% the best customer support there is in a company for your products. You have a problem with your Humminbird and it's under your warranty, you call them, they will take care of you. They have overnighted me, my head units, so that way I could be on the water for just pre-fishing. I would let them know, you know, i got a tournament coming on. It's not necessarily time, but I want to get out and pre-fish, and they have no problem getting me another unit as soon as possible. Like I said, overnighting it and then just sending me the box to send mine in so I don't have to pay for anything. Um, you know, and, and this this is universal for for the most part. With any company, you might have a hiccup or two where it's hard to um, get a hold of them or get the right person and, and get the exact answer you're looking for. Because um, I'm sure with any company, you're going to have uh, your tech support and things like that that aren't going to be able to help you out immediately. They just there's different levels of knowledge there. But overall, the company is always putting out new products, always uh, leading the technology for the most part and and trying to give you things that, that work and really help you do what you need to do on the water. Um, not only that, you know, they have, you know, some of the best uh, pro staff in, in bass fishing and, you know, the guys really go above and beyond with putting out, you know, informational videos and how-tos and learning products and things like that. Um, so I'm just going to talk, you know, about the stuff that I really know about and, and some suggestions that I would have, uh, with your units. Um, most of these electronics take a long time and I'm talking, you know, a year to five years or more to really master the unit itself. And I mean, you have, you have a lot of things in, in these systems that, you don't even know exist or you don't know how to utilize. So 
I would suggest if you get a new Humminbird unit or you have an existing Humminbird unit, um, you really need to go out. You need to look up the YouTube videos. You need to see what they're doing. There's different setup techniques. Now, I take these setup videos and stuff with a grain of salt because I believe every every unit is going to be different. I mean, it can be made with the exact same... Um, parts and everything, but it's just going to be different, you know, for your situation and, and what you're you're doing on the water. So you have to Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, reading the reading a little bit of the top or the, the chat, but yeah, you know, you have to uh, get out on the water with it. Really, you know, there's there's some good in, uh, instructional videos online that tell you how to set it up yourself. You know, like taking the uh, jig, uh, I think it's like a one sixteenth jig or something, and going off the back of your boat with with your uh, with a pole with that jig and you know, dropping it straight down and making your and, and adjusting your fish finder until you can see that jig slowly coming down on your fish finder, adjusting your sensitivity. Uh, you can adjust your color palettes for side imaging to what suits you best and what. What you want to look for on your color palette is what makes the fish or structure stand out more on that side imaging for you. And that could be, um, a lot of times it's normally between the amber and the blue for side imaging. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, what, you know, some people like the blue, some people like the amber. It's normally one of those two that everybody has uh, one of those on. Be quiet, Ron. <laughs> Yes, uh, you know that's what I'll tell you right now. I've had the 1199, I've had a 798, and I have an Onyx 10 SI cross touch right now. Um, but like I said, you really want to set the graph up. You know, by going, you want to watch the videos on what you need to do. The uh, the jig head is a great video. You know, doing that setup with it is going to get you started. A lot of the a lot of the Humminbird units out of the box are normally really good right out of the box, but you definitely want to fine tune them. Uh, transducer placement is going to be your toughest thing, most likely. If you get if you get it perfect the first time, you're you're probably really lucky. Um, I've never got it right the first you know the first time. You always have a little bit of uh, motor interference or something, or or just you know just a tiny bit angled wrong and and not getting the the, the image I want on one side or the other, um, but there's also a uh, there's a guy on Facebook and I believe he has his own website and I think if you look for his, his the technological angler, um, and he actually has videos DVDs that you can purchase and normally I think he has them on Lawrence units he has them on Humminbird units but I know that he was working on a Humminbird Onyx specific um, instructional DVD. You know, and that, and that I, I know the guy really puts a lot of effort and and technological information into his DVDs and his information that he puts out. So I I think that's month well spent there. Uh, and if you're if you're getting into something that's way above your head, you know, you definitely want a lot of information like that that's going to help you. And you're going to have to realize that. You're going to need a lot of time on the water and a lot of time watching these instructional videos and things, understanding what all your unit is capable of doing. So, 
don't get uh, discouraged. I've seen a lot of guys actually out on the water at a tournament or whatever say, oh, I sold that. You know, it just had too many gadgets and buttons and had too much of this. And really, if, if you're a tournament fisherman, that's about the worst thing you could do because if you're getting rid of something that's giving you more information and you're getting something that's giving you less information, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Every tournament bass fisherman, every tournament crappie fisherman, every tournament cat fisherman is going to tell you the more information at your fingertips that you're able to, to see and use, the, the better you're going to be able to do most of the time. And that's what, these, that's what the technology is doing. It is providing you more and more information. Um, you know, being able to see side imaging, seeing the structure, seeing the fish on the structure. This is all things that weren't even possible not long ago. So, I've got some screenshots that I can show you guys. I'm going to go through that and try to help tell you, because I know it's hard to, to just talk about what I'm talking about and, and figure out, yeah, that's what he means. And when, when you have a screenshot, it might help you just a little bit see exactly what I'm saying. All right. This first screenshot right here, and I might have shown some of these before. I think some of them are going to be new. Um... But this first screenshot here, this is shad. Now, if you look through the whole water column here, the middle of the boat, straight to the bottom on the left and right, you have to take that image and write that, right where that white line is, almost fold that picture in half. And that's basically your image. If you take that white line and fold it in half and then fold it, and fold it flat on this line here, that's basically the image straight down from your boat. That's the beam. That's the image. Um, but I like there's people. There's a setting in your unit. You can take this gap between the boat, the top of the water, basically the boat uh, transducer, and the surface of the bottom. You can take that out. There is a setting where you can take that out. But I like to leave it there because, so, like you can see, there's more information here. I mean, it's the same thing as one side of your down imaging, which is the bottom right-hand side. This is the screen that I run with most of the time on, uh, on the river when I'm scouting. Um, I'll run the three screen, which is my side imaging, my 2D sonar, and my down imaging. Um, this is all shad. This, this is a tournament where I was looking for some bait. Um, I, I, the whole lake, you know, you're not going to see this everywhere. But definitely, uh, I got an echo here from someone. But definitely look around and, and for bait, you're going to want to, it might not be as thick as this. You know, when you're looking for shad on your, on your fish finder, <laughs> yeah, even, yeah, me too. <laughs> shad, you know, the shad might be, you'll see this, this big cluster like this in the down imaging, all this. You normally, we'll see just one ball, and that's what they call the shad ball or the bait ball. Uh, th this was thick. I mean, we were in the shad thick. They were everywhere in here, and that's, and that's the reason why it looks like that. Also, um, a lot of people want to know, you know, well, how, when I'm looking at this side imaging, how, what, what can I see on that side that shows me fish? Um, what you want to look for is almost like down at the bottom here, there's like a white streak. That, I don't believe... That that's a fish. I think that's just the the image being distorted, but that's kind of along the lines. In one of the other screenshots, I might be able to show you what you want to look for. You also want to look for shadows. 
uh, decent sized fish will put off a shadow on that bottom and you'll see the shadow um, you know and you'll see the structure and I've got like I said plenty of plenty of these screenshots I'm gonna go ahead and go to the second screen or yeah the second screenshot and I do have a mouse that's wanting to be difficult so bear with me this is a tournament that these are all screenshots I should say too by the way these are all screenshots from my onyx I don't have any screenshots from my old 1199 um, these are all onyx screenshots uh, and all done within the past six months you know so they're fairly recent screenshots uh, still to this day don't have the perfect image on my left side I, I get it sometimes and sometimes I don't it it really depends on how my boat uh, yeah this is the amber is the color that I run uh, I, I use blue on my um, yeah I, I only go out between 80 and 110 like you see this screenshot here is 80 I've got it set out to 80 feet um, it goes up to I don't know 150 200 feet or so um, I, I compact it down just I get a better Im image I believe about 80 foot is about where I normally have between 80 and 100 um, but on this one here like I said I, I don't get the greatest uh, side, left side imaging my motor is on that side now I, like I said there's times where my motor you know hasn't it, it doesn't play any role I'll, I'll get a perfect left side image a perfect right side image um, it you know just going down river going up river one of the other things you need to keep in mind and a lot of people don't do this is setting your chart speed in Humminbird. You want your chart speed to match your boat speed within one, one to two. So, like, let's say you're going three mile an hour, you want to have your chart speed set at three. If you're going four mile an hour, you want it at four, five mile an hour, etc. Um, honestly, I like to I like to cruise right around four to five mile an hour normally when I'm looking at structure and I'm looking at things. Um, so five mile an hour is about what I keep mine at five to six uh, and but I'll adjust it if I start slowing down and I really want to get a real good image on something and, and go over it a few times and, and figure out exactly how you know one of the cool things you can do with the touch version of Humminbird Onyx is for instance on this wood right here you can see all these trees over here if I were happen to see a fish sitting right on the back of that on my screen I can touch where that fish is at and tell it to mark a waypoint right there just by touching it and when I put that waypoint there I then can switch over to my map view and on my map view and I'll, I'll normally do a map split with uh, um, 2D is what I'll do I'll split map screen and 2D screen and go over my waypoint and I'll, I'll keep an eye on exactly when I went over that waypoint so that way when I go up above and if I drop anchor I, I know exactly how far I need to go up above so that way I can drop anchor enough to still come back down and be, be right where I'm at a lot of times I'll take a uh, um, something on the bank it'll be like a image marker for where you know that spot is so that way I know that my back of my boat and how far I'm casting out it, it's really um, when you're anchoring about the best way to try to get precise onto the spot um, if you want to use your trolling motor and suspend right over that spot it's a whole lot easier and works great if you have 
the trolling motor to, to do that, um, but not everybody does. So, but this here, you can see in this screenshot, like I said, there's a lot of wood. There's a lot of uh, structure here, and, and this is the White River. Um, I did. I don't think I fished this spot, but I thought it was a good screenshot. You know, it looked like a, a lot of structure there. I'm gonna go on to the next one. You can see more. There's lots of trees over here. Um, I might have my sensitivity or my uh, not sensitivity, my contrast a little high, getting a lot of uh, a brightness right off of the bottom right there. Uh, you can turn that down and up, and and whatever way you like to get your best image. But you can see, like right here, right in the middle, middle lower part of the screen there, you can see from the surface, you know, directly under the boat. That's what you're looking at is directly under the boat right here. Um, there was a tree sitting there. You know, you really can't see on that image. If I'd have had, if I'd have had down imaging or something like that, I might might have been able to see a little better. If maybe a fish was holding on to that. Uh, if you guys have any questions on any of this, feel free to ask while I'm going along, by the way, or anything. But a lot of times, right in the, in the down imaging, you'll see this stuff with side imaging. Side imaging, for me, is, is locating it, locating the structure, locating the fish sometimes, but more, more so with, uh, like, down imaging. Once you find the structure and you might see what, what looks like fish on your side imaging, um, my boat right now, I can cruise at 30, 35 mile an hour um, and still be picking up side imaging with my transducer, which is awesome. I love that. If I start getting into some real hard chop or anything like that, I'll lose my, I'll lose my screen. But that 30, 35 mile an hour when I'm running down the river, I'm still picking up side imaging. Of course, it's going to be a delayed... Are the light-looking trees or trees or shadows? I'm trying to get what you're asking, Jason. A lot of times when you're looking at side imaging, I can tell you this. Um, when you see shadows, it's normally one of two things. It's normally a shadow or it's a drop-off. You're looking at when it drops off, you're getting that darker return because it's going away. So you'll see a darker return. That could be a drop-off. That shows ledges, things like that. So, like a lot of this right here, though, I believe is just trees, trees and and, and uh, shadows of the trees. And like you can almost see up in this top here. I don't know if you guys can see my cursor or not on the screen. Can can anybody tell me if you can see that or not? Yeah, I can see it. Okay, the cursor right right here to the left of my cursor. You see that white line sitting there, and it's just like sort of nothing around it. You know, that possibly could be a fish sitting on it. You know, this right here, that could possibly be a fish until you get, like, all these little things right here off of the back of the structure could be fish sitting right off the back of it. Um, you know, I like to, when I see something like that, and if I'm really interested and it treats me, I'll go over it and I'll see, you know, I'll look on my down imaging. Uh, my down imaging is going to show me a little better along with my... Um, 2D sonar, and a lot of people don't realize this, that when they go over the trees and stuff like that, your 2D sonar is going to show you fish. It's going to show you arches, and those aren't fish. That's just your sonar getting that return. You know, every time your sonar, your 2D sonar gives you an arch, that doesn't mean that's actually a fish. There's 
there's a lot of times where that's not fish. That's actually just structure, and it's getting that return because it's basically rebound a, a return from that. When I look at the left screen, I see what looks like branches. Is that what's there or is that a shadow? The left side of my screen on this image here is not very great. I'm only getting it so far, but the way I read this is that for this first part, this is, like I said, directly underneath my boat, and I'm only seeing about eight feet past it. I'm not getting the best return any more than 20 foot off of the side for this image. And and when my boat's doing that, it's normally because it's it's weighted down on one side or the other. Like my boat, when I'm running down the water, leans to the left just a little bit. So if I have somebody sitting over there, or if I have coolers over there, um, you know, it just doesn't give me the best return unless my boat is actually level. Because you set your transducer up on a level boat. Um, so I mean, like I need to move mine just a little bit because it rides a little bit lower on the left side than it does on the right. So you really got to level your transducer for the way your boat rides. But yeah, there is a tree there. You can see a tree directly underneath the boat right here and kind of going off um, on the back here. You can sort of see it coming off a little bit, but you're not getting, like there's a shadow right here coming from it, but I'm not getting the best image over here like I am over here. Yeah, what, so, I, like, what I like doing, Chris, is... Um, you know, after you find a nice log like you have on that that last uh, side imaging, um, if if you go over it and you think you see a fish, I like turning my uh, chart speed up on my unit about twice as high as my speed, and and just as you go over that log, if there's a fish within you know a foot of it, uh, your screen's going faster, so sometimes it'll separate that fish from that log. If you know if if you can't tell if actually there's a fish there, it's helped me a few times on some uh, fish going across with a uh, you know with my chart speed fast. It just pulls it right away from that structure a little bit. You don't want to hunt all the time with it like that. Just if you want to run back across it real quick and double check or something, and that seems to work out really good. This picture here, I, I know what you're saying, Chuck, and I, I've heard that too. I can't say that I've done that, but I have heard that. I just, I need to do that to see if it, you know, for myself. Yeah, like, I this mean. This picture here, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, when, it, when it really helped me was, like, on the big pipe on uh, Wheeler Lake, you know, and you go over it and you'll see a big hump off that pipe. The fish is not really touching that pipe, but if, if you turn your chart speed up when you go over it, it, it gives more distance in between the fish and the pipe, and you actually can see it. And, you know, that when you see something like that, boy, it's it's real exciting. You know, and before before I learned that, I would just cruise over spots like that, and I'm like, man, that, that looked like a fish, but I'm not sure. But, you know, after, you, after I do it a few times, you can tell a big difference. And Justin asked me if I've tried trimming my motor up some to get a better image on my left side. Yes, I have. Um, I've trimmed it up. I've I've done lots of things. It really just seems to be more along the lines of exactly how fast I'm going, exactly which way the current's going. I mean, really, it just seems odd when I get better images than that on, on my left side on why it does it. You know, so I, I think you're going to see there might be a picture on one of these. You'll see that at the screenshot they get better. I mean, there's for whatever reason it's just random on on 
what it looks like on my left side. Um, but when my when my when I'm getting this on the right side, it doesn't bother me too much because I can just turn the boat around, come back, and just basically use the one side. And I might extend my distance out a little bit if I need to. Um, but what this screenshot here is kind of showing me, if you look right in the middle of this screenshot, it's almost a uniform color. So you know that it's a flat, you're looking at flat land right through there. Um, so the shadows are telling me that that is, that's definitely just trees poking up off the side here and you're seeing all the, the, the shadows because of these uh, limbs and branches and, and trees um, are, are sticking up farther than what the, the, the image beam is able to um, get information from. Because when it can't get information from it, you get that shadow, that, that darkness. So, so you've got some good tall structure here, basically. That's what that's telling me. There's some big tall stuff sticking up out of the water over on this side. Big old trees just laying down over there. Like I said, you can sort of see some things that look like fish sitting up in them um, until you go right over them, really. I mean, you know, a lot of people think that, they, you know, they might avoid this stuff because they look at that and say, oh, I'm going to break off, you know, way too much gear. You know, that might be the case, but if the fish are holding to that, you're, you're going to have to break gear to catch them. And, and breaking gear for a lot of guys is something they aren't willing to do, and I don't understand that. You know, tying gear is almost, if I don't tie gear in, in a tournament, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. I'm always tying gear in a tournament. I've always broke something off, if not once or twice, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 times in a tournament. I've done it before. Going to the next picture here. Okay, this, this you're starting to see a little better image on my left side. Definitely still great image on my right side. This is a locks and dam. This is what my screen showed in, in uh, I believe it was Canelton Locks and Dam with my Onyx. Uh, these are the plates, I think, that open up under the water to let the water in and or let the water out. And you can sort of see what almost looks like fish in there as well. You can see the big in the big gap between the top of the water and the and the In that last picture, Jason, you didn't see any fish. Like I said, that it wasn't it wasn't a great picture for fish. It was only a possibility there could be fish over there. I seen some marks that looked like they could be fish. They weren't the greatest. There are pictures on here on my Onyx that you you'll say, okay, that's definitely a fish over there. And I mean, I can show you. You know, there's more screenshots coming through here, but I'll show them to you. But yeah, th this here was a really cool screenshot like that right there. You can sort of see. That was probably a fish in there because I can see a shadow right off the back of him. Looks like he's just a couple feet up off the, or, you know, foot or two off the bottom right there, and you can see the shadow coming off of him. That right there might be a fish. You know, these here, you don't, you never know for sure what a fish is on here until you uh, have used it for a long time and you start to really, you know, you, you, you set up on the things that you think are fish and you catch them and you realize, okay, that is a fish. Um, you know, and you start understanding what to look for on your side, and there, and a lot of guys nowadays with the technology we have in our in our side imaging things don't fish a spot until they see the fish on this fish finder. They're not going to sit there and and fish for something they don't see. 
next picture here there get that I got a great image there you can see um, trying to remember what this was I want to say it was an old bridge or something I can't really recall but you can almost see what looks like a school of uh, shad or something up in the top left hand you know right past that bridge a school of bait fish on the right hand side possibly here sometimes you're gonna get prop wash and things like that um, but I mean like and also up here at the top you're gonna to see your your depth lines that's how 25 feet out 50 feet out um, you know you can sort of see that the top of the water to the top of this bridge is only about 12 15 feet underwater and you're seeing a lot of that what was what was right here whatever this if it was prop wash or shad sometimes it can it looks more like a yeah I've caught a like this last weekend I, I went through and I was basically using my sign imaging uh, for for targeting and locating fish and set up on them and caught them and I mean that's my partner I, I had to get a new partner for this tournament like in the last couple days um, and he you know he pretty much just said go do whatever you want to do and it was Daniel Lux who I fished with this weekend my, my last year's partner he just said I'm just here to fish basically you go where you want to go and do what you want to do and I basically went and used eye imaging to, to locate fish and, and we anchored up on them and caught them but yeah this you know these are the kind of screenshots and they're and they can even be better than this these aren't you know these aren't the 100 percent you know factory awesome screenshots that you're gonna see hummingbird necessarily put out these are off my boat you know not in optimal you know settings or anything like that it's me you know getting it out there and using it and then I'm still working on getting it fine-tuned in and I think that you know getting it fine-tuned in can take a while sometimes there's no there's no problem with that But yeah, the like you can see all this. This I, I almost wonder if it if it was debris in the water or something like that. You're going to get returns like this. You're going to see in the 2D down along through here. There's a lot of just clutter in the water, but yet you don't see anything that's a that's a marked fish. It look, really doesn't look like any marked fish in there, any arches at all. Um, just a lot of you know stuff and then it just sort of cuts off right there and that, that could be uh, prop wash I don't think it's prop wash being that it goes down so deep on the other side but uh, debris or something there's definitely a reason why it's doing that let me see let me go back here real quick I'm trying to see if I marked any you know there's a couple of these white dots that you're seeing along over here and, and if you see rocks and stuff you, you know rocks and stuff are going to come off as the white specks and the white lines and things like that as well um, but you know you'll get better at like that right there almost probably a rock that's probably a rock um, you'll, you'll get better at determining what's fish what's rock here's another image um, of just a lot of structure you're seeing there's a bunch of uh, like rocks or tree roots or 
you know, something that's sticking up right before a drop-off, and then it comes back up. That hole right there, and a lot of times, if the fish are holding tight to current or holding tight to structure and things like that, that right there is a good thing to, like, set your boat up with uh, anchor. All the, you know, like have it, have your back of your boat right off this ledge to where you can fish, you know, right off the corner of this ledge. The fish might sit right here, where I'm talking right off the lip of that drop, and they might be sitting right down here in the very bottom of that thing behind whatever that structure is right there. And Ron Streeter says he's he's caught fish that he's marked. It worked great at Bass Lake, which which is where I struggled at this couple weeks back or a month back, however long ago that was. But you can sort of see, like in your 2D, what I was talking about. This right here, if you were to just go over it with just 2D and look at it, you're going to say, oh man, was that a fish sitting right there on the bottom? You know, because a lot of catfish anglers um, want to say that their catfish are going to be sitting right on the bottom. And that's not always true, but a lot of times we're looking for stuff like, you know, sitting right on the bottom and you can sort of see some separation with 2D um, you know and a little bit of that red that it looks like a top of an arch and down here it looks like top of an arch and there's guys that would mistake that without this side imaging as fish they would set up on that when 2D was all we had they'd set up on on this and fish it me I wouldn't fish this I don't see any fish in it you know I'm not saying there aren't but they just I don't see anything of fishability there, you know, I don't see anything really standing out to make me want to fish that. It's a great looking structure, um, but you've got to see fish there too. I think doesn't mean they're not there. I mean, there's plenty of times where <coughs> I didn't I didn't see anything on my fish finder that made me want to fish it, and I sat up and fished it and caught fish. Whether they were there the whole time or they moved in, I don't know. Um, you know, but that's the kind of thing where if, if you're good enough, if you're, if you're really out there, you got a lot of time on the water, and you pattern the fish out, you realize the fish are holding tight to, to structure, um, you know, you might just give it a shot anyway. And they, even if they're not there right then, you might have a feeling that they're going to move there within the next few hours because of the daylight coming in or the daylight going out or whatever. If they're coming up to feed, you know. I mean, you, if you have a good idea um, of what you think they're going to do, the best thing to do is give it a shot and, and just keep track of what you did and what worked and what didn't. Yeah, it looks like a travel route to me, too. Oh, yeah, I, I use my side imaging a lot. Of, this last weekend, was we were in anywhere between 15 feet and 60 feet of water. Oh, let me go back. Okay, now now this screenshot here I thought was interesting. This this to me is a gar. I was riding along, and this down imaging shot, you look a long. I mean, to me that, and you can see it in in the side imaging, right in the middle of the water column there, and you can sort of see it on the 2D. I was like, I think that's a gar. That's a hundred percent a gar. That's a gar, man. <laughs> And I thought that was a really cool screenshot. I got that on there. And I said, you know, that's that's showing me a gar right there. You know, you are kind of seeing 
what might be a couple fish sitting back here, maybe a couple smaller gar too, up on the back side of it, and you can sort of see them along my down imaging as well. I believe that's what that is, unless that's over here. No, I think that's back up here. Yep, and it's sort of coming in on the 2D. But that was a really cool screenshot. I think I was I was in 49, well, almost 50 foot of water. Had my side imaging set out at 110 feet. What depth do you stop using side imaging? I I never stop using it. I mean, you get to I've hit some 80 foot water where you're you're pretty much only seeing you know, I set it out to 110 feet, or you're seeing 30 feet of bottom, you know. I mean, that's, like I said before, the more information you can get, the better you're able to take that information and the better you're able to possibly do. Um, side imaging at any depth can give you more information, even if, you, if it gives you the information of there's something there and you go over it with your down imaging 2D. Uh, so I I will always have my my side imaging on. Like I said, I run this three screen most of the time, and and it's more for my information purpose. How shallow will I use it to? Uh, I, at, at, I guess at about three feet, you're starting to. I would probably pull my side imaging in to about 60 feet at three three feet or so. Um, normally, if you're in that shallow water, you're probably you don't have a, a huge area to fish anyway. Um, so, yeah, three feet or so, I would say is about as shallow as I'll use my side imaging, having it on there. But and I and I'll probably. Just, um, I might even have just side imaging on just to sort of see if I'm marking the, the uh, unless I can't go the three to four mile an hour or five mile an hour that I want to go to get a good image on it. You know, if I can't do that in that area because there's too many logs or whatever, I might just switch my down and, and 2D. What would you have your 2D set on right there? Because that gar should have showed up a lot better than that with all that bone it's got. Yeah, it says down to 200, 200 kilohertz, and I don't know if I didn't have my, I know it looks like clear mode to me, but uh, Maximo would probably showed it off a little better. Um, yeah, I don't know if uh, you might have had it turned down to try to get rid of the clutter, and I do yeah. that sometimes, and it it it, uh, it don't you know it takes away from the the fish big time. Yeah. Now this screenshot here was this. Saturday, I believe. Yeah, this Saturday. Um, you see the bottom here. Now, a lot of a lot of times, people you hear people say, you know, I was fishing structure. I was fishing structure. You know, and, and somebody says, you know, structure is uh, a log on the bottom or a tire or something like that. This is an example of structure that is just the bottom. It's just the contour. You're seeing these small hills with a little, uh, little, you know, just a a very lumpy pattern and you can see here most of the fish were sitting right on top of you know right you know within five foot if that 
they weren't sitting down in there. But there's going to be times that those fish will be just piled up, like right here on the back side of this, this right here. There might be some in here. Um, you know, really, what we were dealing with was about four mile an hour current, and these fish were sitting right up in it. You know, this was 50 foot of water, um, and, and these fish were sitting right up in there. I honestly can't tell you. We fished this area, and I didn't di didn't catch anything off of it. I was curious when I went over this if this might have been Asian carp or um, you know striped bass or something like that. The way they were schooled up like that with that many of them, I I, I was hoping that there might be a catfish or two just hanging out amongst them somewhere, but I I didn't catch anything in this area. Also, one of the things you want to keep in mind, and and some people may know this, may not know this, um, the arches on your 2D. Um, an arch, when going directly over the fish, is going to be like a, almost like a full arch, like a full um, rainbow, you know what I mean? It's not going to be the more the check mark shape. When, when you get that check mark shape, that means it's more off to the left or the right of your beam. Uh, you're not getting that straight down return. When you get that straight arch as like a full half circle, that means you're directly over that fish. It lets you know that you don't need to throw off to the left or to the right. You you went directly over where they're at when you're getting the full arch. Don't you get more red in your 2D? There's a lot of people that say that, like you're going to get that um, that red hard turn like right here on the head of that catfish because of the the, um, the skull plate. I'm not sure if I believe that or not. I think all a lot of fish have a skull plate in them and you know you could get that hard return off of just about you know a, a spoonbill a, you know any fish that has you know a, a bone in their head I would say would come off of a, a harder return. So I, I don't know that I buy that. I think it is that red is a harder return. I mean that, but yeah, every single one of these fish that you see here has a head, you know, and, and only the bigger fish. I think what it might tell you is how big the fish is. The bigger the fish, the more you're going to see that red return. That's that's kind of my opinion on. It. I could be wrong. I'm not, you know, right about everything. Don't tell anybody. But this is just what I've gathered. <laughs> You know, and, and a lot of times when I see big schools of fish like this, I really, I don't normally associate it to catfish with that big of a school of fish. Like I said, I fished this in hopes that there might have been catfish maybe feeding on whatever this was. Um, so, you know, you also, when you're out there and you're on the water and stuff, you know, and you watch the videos, it's going to tell you about the hurts of each thing, like the... Like right now on this 2D, you see it's split 83-200. It's on, it's on split. Um, and I can't remember offhand which one it is. One of them is for basically above 10 feet and one's for below 10 feet of water. Um, and, and by using the auto and split, some people believe that you're not getting as a high quality return as you can if you were to select the right hertz for the depth of water. You know anything about that, Chuck or Lyle? Um, I play with mine constantly to get the best uh, 
the best image, but the, small, the lower the number that seems to be, the better it works for me. The lower the number, the better it works for you? The lower the hertz number, yes. The more clear image I get. Yeah, that's what I that's what I'm saying, Jason. That's why it's basically I gave that spot about forty five minutes and I was done. I was like, Man, there's a lot of fish there. I don't think it's catfish, but I hope that there's a catfish that might be feeding on it somewhere and I gave it a go. Um we only moved, I'd say in this last term, I'll tell everybody now. Um I fished Duffy's Landing with uh, Daniel Lux this last weekend. We had seventeen boats. There was some really top quality fishermen out there. Um, you know, everybody was hoping to have a good night. It was an overnight tournament. Uh, me and Daniel Lux ended up winning the tournament. We got big fish and won first place. Um, we fished about, I would say, six spots or less. Uh, we didn't move around a lot. We anchored up. We didn't uh, drift at all. Actually, I take that back. We drifted for about 30 minutes in a in a small cove. Um, just to see if we could pick anything up in there. That was our first spot that we went to. Uh, we drifted around there. We actually anchored up in there first and then and then drifted around it a little bit. Uh, we didn't get any bites. We were fishing between 30 and 60 foot of water in there. Um, I, I did notice inside that cove, though, that, like, you got to think, even on the Ohio River where the water isn't turning a lot, we were noticing a thermocline on this it was like a sand pit right off the side of the river you go right into the off the Ohio River into the sand pit area where the all the people were in there partying with their big party boats and stuff like that um, but we were noticing that thermocline right at that 20-25 foot mark in there so we were drifting above it and right in it um, you know we had one good bite in there we threw a we threw a live bluegill on a big old bobber out right next to a barge and bobber took off and was gone underwater and he went to set the hook, and there was nothing there. So it could have been a gar. We don't really know. But, yeah, we moved around. We we uh, we were looking on the side imaging. I found some. What I what I noticed and, di and did in this last tournament was I was noticing that, that 22 to 32 foot range of water um, with a little bit of structure was what was holding them. They were, they were holding uh, real close to structure, not like right on it, but real close to it. Um, I don't know if they're just getting prepared for that current to pick up and get even worse and, and be close to the structure they could get behind and have a little bit of a break and right now it was still at an area where they could sit up there and just grab the the small bait fish that were coming through so they were sitting up in it um, but yeah I, that's what I noticed I went through we caught at just about every fish on live bluegill live bluegill and dead bluegill when I ran out of live bluegill I started throwing dead bluegill on and I was catching them on the dead bluegill just as just as much actually probably more than I was the live bluegill and that bite we had three fish at three o'clock in the morning um, you know really I, I wanted to have more fish in there before that everybody you know I talked to said they had more fish so um, pretty much uh, the morning bite kicked in about 3.34 o'clock, maybe even 4.30, and for the next couple hours, two, three hours, all the way up until we left, it was, I think we ended up catching maybe 12, 13 fish or so, so, you know, we caught quite a few. It was a good night of fishing. We had a great time. Um, you Blues know, flatheads, Chris. Everything. Blues and flatheads. 
Yep, we had two flatheads that were probably in the 15-pound range. Uh, we had a blue that was 30 pounds. Let's see here. Now I'm trying to get back on the... So, basically, yeah, we, we were catching... Uh, I caught the I caught 30-pound blue on a live bluegill. Um, I, matter, and I'll tell you this about that 30-pound blue. It was kind of a miracle. I mean... I guess I have really good faith in my knots and in my line. You know, I before every tournament, I reline my uh, leader line. I put brand new, fresh, you know, 40-pound mono on as my leader line. Uh, I check my my braid uh, for about five or ten feet up my braid just to make sure that it's not been rubbed or, or anything crazy. And if I see any burrs or anything in it, I cut it off and re pull it down, retie it onto the swivel. Um, you know, I make sure everything is, and I do this at, at before every single tournament. Um, but when I caught that 30-pound blue, we, like I said, we were in a good swift 4-mile-an-hour-plus current. could have even been more than that. could have been 5 or 6. I never really tested it. Uh, but it was a good swift current. And the, the blue had got tangled up in one of my other poles, and my other pole was snagged. So I got that fish to about 6 foot behind the boat. Couldn't reach him with a cast, or couldn't reach him with the landing net. And I mean, I was standing on the front of my boat trying to pull it almost as hard as I could just to get it close enough for him to net. You know, and I mean, I was really putting my, you know, it, it, it was the ultimate scenario for any sort of failure to happen and lose that fish. <laughs> you know, I was just, I was like, I, I was telling him, you know, I was wore out on the front of the boat pulling that, pulling that fish for as long as I was and trying to get it. And I mean, it was, I, I tightened up my drag, I had the, you know, I grabbed the pole by about the middle of the pole and just gave it, you know, at the point where I thought, you know, I'm done with this, I'm either getting it or I'm not, you know, I just really gave it, I said, get ready, you know, I'm pulling as hard as I can up here, I pulled it in just enough for him to get the net under it, and, and he almost went in the water trying to, trying to get that fish in the net, so, you know, it was, it was definitely, uh, a fun night of fishing. I told him in the morning, you know, I said, I don't care how we win this tournament. We had a great night of fishing. You know, this was this was fun. And he's like, yeah, he hadn't caught a fish in Indiana this year. He's had a broke down boat. Uh, he's, he went to Alabama, I think, once, and I think that might have been the only, only fish he's caught this year. So he was, when I called him and asked him if he wanted to go, he was like, heck yeah, I'll, I'll be there. So he met me at the ramp and we went out and we had a we had a great night of fishing. I really I needed that. I think a lot of people need that. Go out and just have a good time of fishing. You have your mind focused. You know what you're doing. It helps out. The uh, one a couple other things I want to talk about with hummingbird. I know I've been going on for a while, but I still got more. Um, the helix. If you guys haven't seen the Helix, now this is a more of a budget-friendly hummingbird unit, but this is by far the newest technology and and for best bang for buck I think that you can get out there. They have the Helix units with side imaging, and they got them without side imaging. You can get into a Helix unit, I believe, on the cheap end at around 250 bucks, and I think you can get into side imaging for around 500. Maybe 550 somewhere in that area. 
but the the Helix series also they changed from their um, uh, what is it the uh, the straight up and down style uh, image format to the widescreen format, uh, and now what that does is it really gives you more screen to see what's going on because it was really tough on on a tiny, like my 798 the first side imaging unit that I got it was really small I think it's like a five inch screen or you know something four inch screen and it, it's a lot of information especially coming from you know something that doesn't have that but it, it's just so hard to really see any detail in and, and that detail is where the fish are you know where you're seeing um, no, Ron Schreer says, guess there goes Wiseman for us here. No, me and Wiseman have done great this year. I think, uh, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to do well this year, and, and me and Wiseman will keep going. But, yeah, the, the detail is uh, when, you, when you can really see what you're looking at. Um, you know, I sold my 1199 to a guy who said that basically he, he really needed that detail, and he had a smaller unit as well and, and couldn't see the shad. Uh, like you wanted to see on it, and the 11.99 seemed to have done that for him. So glad I could help him out with that too. Um, the 360. Now I'm gonna tell you guys right now, and this is my honest opinion. If you wanna, if you would ask me, what's probably besides, I guess I'll say this, besides the remote-controlled trolling motors, and I, and I, and I. I actually, I, I could almost go 50-50 on whether it's underutilized or not. But if you were asking me what's the most underutilized piece of modern technology that's out there right now that could change the game, I'd probably tell you it's the 360. But not very many people you probably have seen have the, the Humminbird 360 on the back of their boat. And once you've got it and you've realized what it's doing for you, um... It really, really could change the game. I think once you see, once some of the bigger uh, tournament guys really get out there with one and they start using it, uh, the 360, whether hum, whether uh, drifting or anchored, is again giving you so much more information to be able to make decisions and do certain uh, things to get more fish. And for example, what I can what I can tell you was a 360 Humminbird 360. Exactly what it sounds like. It's a first and only that I know of um, piece piece of equipment that can give you a full 360 degrees of sonar and fish, you know, basically side imaging and, and fish uh, locating. You know that you like. Let's say when you're drifting, um, you have your 360 on. You're drifting. It's giving you a full 360 degrees, so it's the first and only thing that's telling you what's coming up, what's ahead of you. And just like your side imaging where you can set the distance out to like 150 feet, the 360 also has the same thing where it, it can scan a full 150 feet out all the way around your boat. Um, so what that tells you is say you're drifting and you see um, some structure right up and it's going and you have the the marker lines that show you how far off it is if it's 40 feet or 60 feet um, it shows you you know you're normally when you're drifting you're not drifting any more than a mile an hour so you got plenty of time to maneuver your boat to what you see on the 360 so if you see a fish 
on your 360 coming up on the right-hand side, you can push your boat over to get right over that fish. You know, there's the the anchoring up. The first time I used my 360, I didn't know if it was going to work. I was in, you know, I've said this story quite a few times, but it's absolutely 100% true. Uh, Turtle Creek Tournament, where there's 120-plus boats. It's the Little Channel Cat Tournament. Um, I had just got my 360. I get set up on a spot. I knew exactly where I was going to go, and I get set up on my spot, and I throw all my poles off the back of my boat like we all do. Somebody got the echo going again. There we go. But I get all my poles set off the back of the boat, you know, just like we all do with our rod racks and everything. And I thought, well, only in three and a half foot of water, I'm not sure if the 360 is going to be able to even work in three foot of water. So I went ahead and I turned it on, I dropped it down, I started doing a 360 degree scan around where I was sitting on the boat. And I noticed on the front of my boat, just like a steady, steady traffic of, of fish moving along the front of the boat. And I had every rod off the back of my boat. And, and I've got a couple rod holders on the front of my boat. So I took a couple of my rods and threw them up in the front rod holders. And, I mean, probably before I even had both poles in the water, I started catching fish off of the front rods. Uh, I immediately took every pole and threw them off the front. And... We probably caught 60 catfish that day, if not more. Um, you know that, and that was the first time using 360. It, it it turned me all the way around, you know, to where the fish were at. I completely, you know, put every rod that was on the back of my boat on the front and caught all the fish that I was seeing moving on my 360 right up there. Um, and I ended up in second place in that tournament out of 120 boats, uh, and that's 100 percent. From the use of that 360 the first time I used it. Um, I honestly can't tell you that I, I got to use it a lot drifting, but I've talked to people who have, and they tell me the same thing that what I said. It's probably the most underutilized piece of equipment. They don't really want to tell anybody about it. You know, it's one of those things where it's giving them an advantage. It really is, and once people start using it, you know, they're, they don't have that advantage anymore. But so the 360, I can tell you, there's there's two models of of a 360. There's a um, a uh, trim motor mounted 360. Oh, congratulations, Greg, on a personal best 35 pound blue yesterday. Um, Brad Durick said he's got a 360 sitting in the office for over a year. You need to use. It. Yes, you do. If you don't want to use it, send it to me. <laughs> but the uh, um, Trolling motor mounted 360 will only work on two models, and I believe it's the models before the Tarova. Uh, so if you have a Tarova or an Altera, it will not work with, with those, uh, but it will work on, like, the uh, power drive or something like that, I believe, it, the four tracks. There's, there's a couple of the, the things that you can look it up online and find out which ones they'll work for. And then there's a standalone 360 that mounts off the back of your boat. kind of looks like a power pole or a talon. Um, looks like the talon, and it basically will retract, and you can actually retract it with your fish finder. You can tell it to retract. Uh, you can tell it to deploy. Uh, you can raise it and lower it. It also has the buttons on the unit itself. Um, but the trolling motor version of it, I believe, is um, 
$9.99, and the standalone is $14.99 if they haven't lowered the price uh, again. I know they've already lowered it once, so uh, it's coming down. Definitely something to take. Uh, or he, Brad Dirk says it, it will work on a custom transom mount. But the other the other things that Humminbird Mincota um, have that most people know about is the iPilot, um, the iPilot and the iPilot Link, all that linking linking the uh, trolling motor to your fish finder. Uh, also, being having the remote controlled, the handheld remote controlled trolling motor. Uh, a lot of the guys in tournaments are using uh, remote controlled trolling motors these days for for controlled drifting. Um, Anchor locking, you know, lots of different uses for the remote controlled trolling motors and the newer trolling motors today. Uh, the the Altera, I have the the new Altera uh, 112, 112 pound thrust, 36 volt trolling motor. I, I, it, this thing is a beast, and I mean it is it is really awesome to go out to a lake and be able to go out by myself and just throw my boat off and and you know jump out and take the boat over and put anchor lock it somewhere, go go park my truck, come out to the dock and drive the boat over to me and jump in the boat and go out and go fishing. Uh, it makes it a, a, just a breeze. And if you got like a wife or somebody that's not great at, at backing the trailer down and, and doing all the stuff, you know, I'll throw my wife on the boat and, and just like I said, I'll just take it out, drop, you know, dump it off the back of the trailer and, you know, do the same thing. Take her out there and, and anchor lock her and, you know, drive the boat over to me so she don't have to worry about anything. Um, and it's an awesome tool. It really is. Uh, you know, and and just like with new, with new, and I was talking earlier in the episode about it, you know, with new software or with new uh, hardware and new technology, you're going to have a few hiccups and bugs, and they did with the Ultera. Um, you know, and what set them apart is that they really went after the fixes and they put out the fixes and software updates and, and 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 pretty much just get it get it fixed right away. They don't let it sit around and mm -hmm. and play any games with anybody. You know they get it taken care of. But I'm trying to think, there was something else, and I'm drawing a blank on it. Did anybody have any questions on anything? Uh, not really. You explained everything pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Also, the, I, I can t talk about a little bit with the. Uh, there's a uh, Auto Chart Live, which is a uh, additional like an X3 that you can get for an Onyx or any other uh, side imaging Humminbird. Uh, I think Auto Lar Auto Chart Live is the ability to like say for instance uh, your local lake is not does not have an HD map version of it in the in the um, regional SD cards that they that Humminbird sells or Lake Master sells. Uh, say you've got your, your region's SD card that uh, gives a bunch of the lakes high definition capability to see all the contours of the lake and um, you really like to have that. Um, you can buy this auto chart live and what you can do is with 11.99 and below, you can actually go out on the lake and tell your tell your uh, tell your fish finder to record while you're out there. 
and what it will do is it will record and it will show you on your screen um, almost like a highlighted area and where the highlighted area is you've recorded and you can record your own lake and take it back to your computer with AutoChart Live like I said with 1199 and below uh, side imaging unit you, you'll take that card back go to your computer um, basically your computer needs the processing power the 1199s and them don't quite have it there to be able to do all the all the computing needed to, to render the map out and make the high definition lake uh, but you'll have it'll come with software for your computer you put it on the computer and then it will make the HD map from the information you gave it and you can put that memory card back in your uh, fish finder and when you go back out you'll see that HD map for a lake that nobody else has an HD map for. Um, with an Onyx though you get Auto Chart Live Pro and that does it that does everything on the Onyx itself. You don't need to bring an SD card back to your computer to make the map. It creates the map and everything on the Onyx real time. And it saves it right there for you. Um, you know, that that along with, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name of it, but uh, it, it's almost like a, uh, and this is something that is, I can't tell you I've used, I can't tell you it works great. Uh, but it's interesting nonetheless. It's the software that tells you it lets you target specific species of fish on any body of water um, and, and lets you input all the data that you would want. Say, for instance, you're on this body of water, it'll ask you uh, what the weather temperature is, what the skies look like. You know, you input all this information what species of fish you're targeting. Um, what the water clarity is and you put all this information in you and ask you all these questions and then it highlights the area of the lake where it thinks you'll find those fish at. So what, like I said, whether it works or not, it, it's an interesting idea. It's, you know, it's taking the, taking some of the work out of fishing, but you know, hopefully there's, there's a learning there's a learning capability there as well, and that's what I tell a lot of people. Whereas they think that you're you're taking the lazy route out of it, whereas you might actually be learning what exactly is working with the uh, <laughs> Brad Derrick. The Auto Chart Live is the biggest reason to own an Onyx. He uses it as much or more than side imaging. So, you know, Brad Derrick is on the water for a living. You know, so. Definitely listen to what he's saying. Um, think that I think that's all I have on it. Like I said, if anybody has any questions or anything about the the hummingbird stuff, you're always more than welcome to send it to me on Facebook. And um, there is a there is a for or a uh, a group on Facebook. It's called Humming Side Imaging. Um, you can join it. There's lots of people that are very knowledgeable that will help you out uh, if you have any problems with anything that they're, they're, more, they're more than uh, helpful with you and, and patient and, and they'll do everything they can to, to get you in the right place if they can't help you. So, that's all I have. All right, great. You had a lot of information there. Uh, we've been going on about an hour 30. Uh, Chuck, you got some closing statements for the night? You're on mute, buddy. I'm, I'm good for tonight. Okay. 
Uh, Chris? Uh, I just want to say farewell to everybody. You know, it's been great. Like I said, I'll be around on uh, the ICA. I'll be around on Joe's catfishing. Um, you know, don't be a stranger. Say hello. Check out the site. Keep up, keep up with me. Um, it's been a good time. So, au revoir, everyone. You, uh, you're not objected to come back uh, to the show for visits, are you? Possibly. Okay. Okay. All right. The only thing that I have tonight is uh, Twisted Cat Outdoors will be having a night tournament in Keokuk, Iowa, uh, July 11th, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Um, the rivers are in terrible shape right now, but in the Keokuk area, it's so wide up there, it's not too bad. We're looking at a weekend almost two weeks away, so uh, the water should be in better shape by then. We'll keep everybody posted. If anything changes between now and then, you can uh, get on the Twisted Cat Outdoor Facebook page, and Alex will keep you updated on that. Uh, if anything takes place or changes, he will make sure it's posted, or you can contact either one of us. Uh, but he will he will keep that updated if anything changes. Other than that, I uh, think that'll do it for tonight. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. And we'll, uh, one more time, Chris. Stay out of my spot, everybody.